And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who just misses old bookstores. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, oh boy, is it ever good to be back on the mainland? I was, well, I love Milleronia, and I love the island there. But, uh, well, with both our sons back at home here on, uh, well, at Stately Miller Manor, it's just wonderful to be the area, and uh, some things uh, came up today, with things they needed to do. And... Worth telling you about. But boy, oh boy, I'm happy to be back. Not only happy to be back, it was a gorgeous day today. And the Colonel and I both mentioned that to each other. Hey, wasn't it beautiful today? It was. That makes me happy. And of course, as you know, the music makes me very happy. That's the Moses Horowitz Orchestra and the Sandra Lock Dancers featuring boy tenor Ken Schaefer asking the musical question, If mothers have Mother's Day and fathers have Father's Day, why do dogs get multiple days? Exactly how many summer's days are they allotted? It's a good question, Ken. Boy, yeah, the dog days of summer. Good question, Ken. Yeah, the dog days of summer. To start with, I love dogs and I love our doggies, but I really don't think they understand holidays. They like the food you give them and they love playing fetch and they love your hugs and they love hanging out and cuddling, but I don't think any one of them has ever appreciated the family singing happy birthday to them. I I, I don't know what the dog days of summer are in the first place and neither does Colonel Jeff. Earlier today, before we headed out somewhere, my wife said, I'll leave the TV on for them to have something to watch. And I smiled and said, all righty. And if you don't understand that, you're clearly not married. So, dog days? Well, that's another why the heck not, folks. Come on. Bring your doggy home a nice rib bone from a dinner you and the family have out and and hand it to them. You know, hand it to them while you say... This is for one of your doggy days, Rusty. But you and I know his eyes are locked on that bone the second you take it out of the tinfoil and he really can't hear the rest because he's just not listening. If you offer him a choice between that rib bone and a diamond bracelet, he'll take the rib bone every time, and you know what? He's right. And it's worth mentioning, though, Why did uh, who's Moses Horowitz and why did I make it a big deal? and have him lead the orchestra. Well, today was his birthday, and I thought that was awfully nice and worth mentioning. And again, most of you may say, who, what? Moses Horowitz, why are we we enjoying that today was his birthday? Well, you might not know him by the name Moses, but I think you might know him by his other name, Mo. That's right. That was his original name is Moses Horowitz, and... He, of course, became Mo and changed it to Mo Howard. And, you know, he has two other brothers, you know, uh, Jerome Horowitz, 
who became Curly. And his third brother, Shimshon Horowitz, who was known as Shemp. And you know what, folks? I don't know off the top of my head when their birthdays are, but the colonel and I will say happy birthday to them any time it, it, it comes up. And the same with Larry Fine. Uh, colonel Jeff and I were saying earlier, just as we made a cup of coffee before, well, doing the prep work for the show, that, boy, you know what? He said, I was watching one of the episodes and... Larry is always doing something. He's listening. He doesn't just stand there. And Colonel Jeff is exactly right. And I said, good for you. That's the truth. Larry is always busy, always working, reacting to something. And nah, he's, he's, he's always a, been a great stooge and always worked and always played. Well, in any case, uh, any, any of their birthdays come up, I'll know about it. And then you'll know about it. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon. Still one of the, boy, the greatest company in the world. You can get anything in the world you want from Amazon, except, of course, an actual Amazon. And my advice to you is still the same. If your doorbell ever rings and you open it and there is, well, an Amazon standing there, a woman who is six feet, four inches tall and muscular and gorgeous and the sexiest thing you've ever seen in your life, don't panic. Call us and let us panic. And we'll come by and we'll make her feel comfy and we'll take care of her and we'll, well, we'll let you know what happens. And if there's still, well, more room in the sleigh, so to speak, you can have some time with her too. That probably won't happen, by the way. I'm just letting you know. In any case, though, Amazon, what a great company. They uh, you Get anything in the world you want from them, and you can get there any way you can. Come on. Any computer you have, any laptop, any iPhone, anything. Get you right to Amazon. But my advice, again, is don't waste your time doing that. Don't get annoyed having to get to Amazon. We'll get you there. You know what? Go to our website. LarryMillerPodcast.com Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Oh, pardon me. I should have had some fish with Mo. But you know something? You do that. We'll get you to Amazon. We have a banner on our website that says Amazon. You click that, then go take a nap in your lazy boy chair and your lounger tip it back. You don't need anything else. You don't need a big sandwich. You don't need a beer. Just put an open magazine over your face and catch a, catch a beautiful 40 winks. And uh, do that. Go to Amazon. They send us, by the way. They always send us a percentage of whatever you order. So they're happy, we're happy, and, and you're happy. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. And uh, this is a pretty good one. This uh, made me and the colonel chuckle. There are, uh, in New York and Manhattan, there are two Irish fellas who uh, go to a bar and they decide to spend some time there and uh, most of the night and they stand there and they're drinking and drinking and they're having a great time and laughing and telling jokes and, you know, old stories about women they used to date and this and that. And it gets to a point, well, it's pretty late there and it's just, uh, then at that point, well, it's, well, it's Patty and Mickey still going, 
But uh, Mickey says, uh, oh, Patty, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, time for me to go. I've had about enough. And Patty says, go ahead, go ahead. It was a good night, and I'm going to stay here for a while. And But you go ahead, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And uh, Patty does that. He says, Patty has a few more drinks. But then he just looks at his watch, too, and says, ah, that's it. I've had enough. And he goes home, and he opens his front door, walks into his house. As soon as he walks in, he hears some noise and thumping and voices from upstairs in where the bedrooms are. And he goes upstairs, and it's coming from his bedroom. He kicks the door open, and what do you know? Mickey is in bed with Patty's wife. And they're in the middle of it. They're in, flagra- in flagrante, as they say. And and Mickey's busy, and he's going away at it. And Patty sees this and just starts laughing out loud. His head rocks back, and he's, ha! <laughs> and finally he says, look at that, Mickey. He's so drunk, he thinks he's me. <laughs> I'm like that. We... You got a kick out of it. And it reminded me of a joke, by the way, that I think I've told here on the show, but it's worth throwing in. It's a good joke, and it's not a long one, and it's on the same general topic. There's In New York, there's an Irish bar on fire, and it's really burning down. And the fire department's there, and they have two big trucks, and a lot of men working, and oh, they're hosing it and spraying, and it's just, you know, at a certain point, whew, they, uh, well, the rescue crew uh, brings out an older man from the bar and he's on a stretcher. And as he, they bring him out, the captain, the fire captain just runs over and just says to the old man, uh, can you tell us, please, what time the fire started? And the old man looks up and says, how the hell do I know? It was on fire when I went in. <laughs> that always made me laugh. Anyway, folks, uh, and that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. Ah, that beautiful string quartet. Probably not playing in the bar that was on fire. But in any case, it's beautiful. And this is a lovely poem by the great Edna St. Vincent Millay. Oh, what a wonderful writer. She was an American poet, lived from 1892 to 1950. Her middle name, by the way, is from St. Vincent's Hospital in New York. Her uncle's life was saved there just before she was born. And uh, this is a lovely one. It's called... Not with libations, but with shouts and laughter, by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Not with libations, but with shouts and laughter, we drenched the altars of love's sacred grove, shaking to earth green fruits, impatient after the launching of the colored moths of love. Love's proper myrtle and his mother's zone, we bound about our irreligious brows and fettered him with garlands of our own and spread a banquet in his frugal house. Not yet the god has spoken, but I fear, though 
we should break our bodies in his flame and pour our blood upon his altar. Here, henceforward, is a grove without a name, a pasture to the shaggy goats of Pan, whence flee forever a woman and a man. Isn't that lovely? Not with libations, but with shouts and laughter by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Thank you for that one. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. M.M.M. The Magic Movie Moment. This is a wonderful movie. Oh, it's one of those I've seen 30, 40 times. And we'll see another 30, 40. Anytime it's on. Oh, I watch it hopefully from the beginning, but anytime. You know, if there's 45 minutes left, I'll watch those 45 minutes. It's called The Outlaw Josie Wales from 1976. Directed, well, by the great Clint Eastwood. Written by Phil Kaufman and Sonia Chernis. Starring... Clint Eastwood, Sandra Locke, John Vernon, Bill McKinney, Chief Dan, George, Joyce Jameson, Matt Clark, and so many others. It's a very good movie. It's wonderful in so many ways. Please see it if you haven't. And my there, my, my magic movie moment from it tonight is the Missouri Boat Dance. It's wonderful. It's as well... As Clint and and his friend, Lone Watty, that's his name in the movie, and uh, boy, as they're escaping, they're running from the Union soldiers, and they're not, well, they're Red Legs by Bill McKinney. These are bad guys, and uh, they mean business. And they cross the river at a certain point, the Missouri River. And there's a boat that goes down there. Well, the fellow who runs it, well, is a bit two-faced. He'll sing, you know, Dixieland if the fellow's on his little raft boat as he pulls them across. He'll sing Dixieland. Or if it's a, well, Union folks or Union soldiers, he'll sing, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Which is, well, also, it's a great song. And... Eastwood gets on with Lone Waddy, and they have a handful of horses with them, and kind of a bad guy. Uh, he plays a, a tradesman, sort of a salesman, and he's always looking to hustle somebody, and the three of them cross together, and they see those red legs in those blue uniforms coming, and those guys, as soon as they that boat drops them off on the far shore, well, that other fella is going to pull back across and get across quick as possible. And yes, don't you know, as soon as he starts pulling the other way, he starts singing the other song, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory of the Coming of the Lord. And, you know, that whole time that they were on the other coast that this takes on the other part of the shore there, well, Clint Eastwood lays himself down under a tree and puts his hat over his face and takes a nap. And, well... Everyone is with, is thinking, what What are you doing now, lying down? Let's get out of here. And But Eastwood knows better. As Josie Wells, he, he 
stays there with his eyes shut, catching a little strength, a few winks. And don't you know, as soon as the guy gets back with that craft, all the red legs get on it. There's about 15 of them. And they have their horses. And they're holding the horses. And here they come back across. And now one of them runs over on the other side and says to Josie, Josie, they're they're coming across now. What are we going to do? What are you doing? And Josie Wells just calmly gets up. And the other feller, the tradesman, Josie, starts walking toward the shore where the boat's coming at them. And the other fellow, the salesman, says, Oh, you think you can just shoot anyone you want? And, but you can't. You can't do that to this boy. And he's, uh, he says, uh, No, it's, uh, I just think they might like a Missouri boat dance. Because they're in Missouri. What the what? You think what? And Eastwood takes his rifle it's, and he loads it. And uh, as musket, it's a front loader. And he, he loads it up and raises it and puts it against his cheek and fires. And folks, one shot breaks the rope holding that boat, holding that raft holding all those red legs and their horses, and it just breaks that rope. It shatters it. It, it, it. And there goes that boat down river with the tide, with everything, with the white water, with everything pulling it. And that is a Missouri boat dance. And there they go. Well, sure, they'll eventually tie up again and eventually come across again. And eventually get back on the trail. But that buys them all the time in the world. And what a good movie this is. But that scene, always, that gives, that makes you smile, too. And this movie has good humor in it, as well as real drama. Folks, if you haven't seen it, The Outlawed Josie Wales. What a wonderful movie. Directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Clint Eastwood. And what a cast. Sandra Locke, John Vernon, Bill McKinney, Chief Dan George, Joyce Jameson, who plays Rose in the saloon there. And she's great. They're all wonderful. And Matt Clark. And I've worked with Matt Clark. And you know what? If you've seen it 30 times, see it another 30. If you've never seen it, do it fast. You won't be sorry you did. And you know what? My kids today aren't sorry, they did the things they had to do. There were a certain thing, well, you know what? Uh, my older boy, our, uh, our Marine, who came back from his third deployment, and you know what? He knew he had to get his car fixed. We had stored it, he, he stored it, in a place down in Orange County, and, well, it's not cheap, but that's all right. He stored it for two years, and every month there's a payment, and those fellas are, well, part of the uh, what they do for you is they keep it indoors, and they start it up regularly every couple of weeks and just keep it, well, keep everything pumping, and they check this and they check that. And, well, the truth is they didn't check it that well because I drove my son down there 
Uh, well, when I after I picked him up at the train station, when he came back from Camp Pendleton, and you know the uh, the air conditioning didn't work. Number one, I know we're all spoiled, but well, you expect that to be working, and he started it up. It started fine, and. You know, it was something a little, this was ticking and that was clicking. And he got home just fine, and so did I. We went home, and yet he knew this was something off. And sure enough, the next day, well, the air conditioning didn't work. It didn't work when he picked it up there. There was something wrong with it, and there are a few things wrong. And he's, well, he's going on a little trip this weekend. He's going uh, down to San Diego with a... well, a couple of his Marine friends, and and they're going to have a good time down there for a couple of days and a couple of nights. And he knew it wanted to be fixed, and he knew he had to take it in, so he did. Uh, we called, first of all, he thought he'd jump the battery. My other son had cables in his car, and so our, our well, our older boy, the sergeant, just... Uh, you know, hooked it up. He knows what he's doing with this and that, with everything. But he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it to take. It was clicking a little here and there. And he thought, ah, this is, uh, this one's not taking. And it was, uh, it was too low, way too low. And I said to him, you know what? Uh, you do anything, you can do anything. You can fix anything. You can put anything in. But, uh, let me call AAA, and they'll send somebody down here. And he said, sounds good. I called. The guy was here, by the way, wasn't uh, didn't take hours. He was here in about 15 minutes, and he knew his stuff. And he could see this and that, and he had his equipment come out that he used just to check. He said, yeah, this is, uh, this is way down there. And he said he showed the numbers coming up. It should be. Well, 419 of this or that, and it was more like 12. And, well, the power on this and that should be this and that. should be 80, but it was 5. And so he said, we don't have, I would have brought you a new uh, battery for it, as Bugs Bunny used to say, not battery, battery. And uh, he said, uh, but my my son said, you know what, that's... uh, I'll take it down. It needs a good uh, needs a good look and service anyway, so I'll take it down to it's a it's a Honda Accord, and he uh, said I'll I'll take it down to the Honda dealer right uh, down in our town. It's a few miles away, and uh, the guy. It's funny. The guy from the AAA service center said, uh, "Oh well, make sure you take a bit bandage for your neck because they'll cut it." You know, he was. Uh, Funny, with a thick accent, he was joking around that, well, they'll charge you a lot. And uh, my kids said, well, they'll charge what they charge, but I'm paying for it. It's my car. And and he was, by the way, that's the way he does things. He knew I was going to go with him. And I could say, and sure, my wife would too. Hey, you know, we'll pay for this and that. But he wants to do that. And he did. He took it down there. And then he called me almost three hours later. He wanted to watch the whole thing and see what they were doing and see what they were finding. And they knew and he knew. And, well, it's going to 
costs some money, but he won't have an air conditioner for a while because he wants to pay for it when he gets the money. And those things, well, to get a new condenser and to, you know, refill it with Freon and everything they have to do and to put all new pipes and hoses in, well, that's that costs a lot. It's going to be about $2,400. And he said, well... He's a he's a solid young man. He's a tough guy, and he said, "I can, I think I'll take the heat with just the windows down on the freeways." Well, good for you, and I was proud of him. The point is, he uh, and then I I went down there. He called me. He said, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, come on, get me, Dad." And I did. I went down there and picked him up because I wanted to meet the fellow he was dealing with. He told me he was in the service too. That the guy. At the, at the, well, at the service center there, at the repair center, was also a Marine. He was an ex-Marine. He's not active duty. And that's a very nice bond. And because, of course, my kid said, yeah, I just got back from this and that. And the guy has a little medallion on his desk that says United States Marine Corps. And this guy was very cool. He was very nice. And he was as solid as a rock. And I felt good that, well, that my son has, uh, well, a friend there. And he got his card and he took it with him. And the guy was very nice to me. And so I took my hands off his throat and said, all right, you may live. But no, of course, he was a fine fellow. We all shook hands. And then we came back here because, you see, it impressed me. Well, he can do anything he wants. He was a little annoyed. He was a little angry. And he said that as I drove him back in my car. He said, because uh, I told him, you know, the, the truth. That I said, it's not, uh, if you don't mind a little advice, this is uh, not a good night to drink. Anything, even a couple of drinks. He said, you know what? I know what you mean. And he's he's smart. And he did know. It's not a good night. And I told him a story about my grandfather, my mother's father. He's a tough man. He was a plumber. And, uh, well, they, he was from Latvia, and so was his wife, my grandmother, my mother's mother. And all their kids were born here, except one. The first one was born in Latvia. And he said that uh, I remember being a kid, being eight or nine years old, and... She passed away, my grandmother, his wife. And he was a guy that they came from a culture that every day, first thing in the morning, just as he, they get up, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you put your clothes on, and the first thing he did was have a shot of whiskey. They all did, just one, but that's the way you start the day. So he was a tough guy, and he was used to all sorts of things. But uh, after his wife passed on, and this was in their house in Brooklyn, and she died upstairs in their bed, and he came downstairs, and uh, he sat down at the kitchen table and was very, well, was very moved and was very upset, and one of his friends was there. They had a couple of relatives and a couple of friends there with him, all fellas his age, and one of them took down a bottle of whiskey from the shelf and a little glass 
And he sat down and put those on the kitchen table and started to pour and said, Here, Zella, have this. Make you feel better. And my grandfather, I was there just a few feet away, and my grandfather held his hand up in a stop gesture and said, uh, No, I only drink when I'm happy. And I remember, even though I was just a kid, I thought, well, that may be the smartest thing I've ever heard about drinking in my life. I think it still may be. You know what, folks? I told that to my son. I said, that whole that whole image of, well, you can drink your problems away. No, you can't. And it's not smart to try. And you're actually knocking yourself out more. Just, you know, wait. And uh, he said, uh, I get you, you're right. And we went to pick his car up again. He was going to decide not uh, not have air conditioning. Wasn't going to have them put that in. They fixed all sorts of things on it, including a new battery or battery. And uh, he drove back. He said he wanted to. He felt better. He said, you know, I feel better just getting the car. It drives fine. And all right, I'll keep the windows down. But he said, if you don't mind, I'll. I'll be home for dinner. I knew he knew mom was making a good dinner. But he said, I just want to drive around for a while and uh, calm down, clear my head. I said, go ahead. In fact, that's a smart idea. And he did. And it, I, was, I was impressed and touched. Good for you. And our other kid, our other boy, just got a job. His first real job. Oh, he's had jobs before. But not a real, hey, go to work at this hour and stay for seven hours. And it was at a restaurant that Colonel Jeff and I have eaten. He, uh, I didn't tell him about it. It's one of my favorite places. It's terrific. And uh, you know what? He, uh, he got there. He met the owner. He had an interview and gave a resume. And uh, the owner and uh, my our second son... Started yesterday. He got the guy called him and said, "Come on over." And uh, five o'clock to eleven o'clock went a little longer than that. He said he was cleaning dishes for seven hours, and he's a good tough kid himself. And uh, he came. He wanted to walk home. I would have. I was ready to go get him, but that was a little before midnight. And you know what? He's a good kid too. He was pretty tired. Well, you wash dishes for seven hours. See how you feel. And then take a three-mile walk home like that at around midnight. But he got back, and he was ready. He he had had it. Time to wash up, brush your teeth, and just go to bed. But you know what? My friend Kevin Rooney recommended a book for me to get. In our area, too, right off the boulevard. And... uh it's by Philip Roth called Every Man. And uh, he said, that's great. I said to him, uh, you know what, you got a deal? And I texted him that, emailed him that. I'm going to go get it now. And it's over at Barnes & Noble, which is a great place on the boulevard here. And I went in. They didn't have it, but they ordered it. How about that, they said. I said, sounds fine to me. And I have their card, too which, you know how people always say, do you have our club card for something? I never do. I don't know about you. I never get the thing. I, No thanks. Thank you, but no thanks. And finally, it was about 11 times the uh, nice young woman had asked me at the counter there, and I said, 
you've got a deal. All right. So I, you know, I joined the card club and uh, you know what that means? I don't know that even when she told me, I said, you know what? You're a good saleswoman. You do a good job here. I'll take it. And I said, uh, you know, just let me know when it gets here because I had them take send it to the bookstore. And uh, I'll come back. Just send me an email and call me. And they did. And they, uh, they, they called me and sent an email. Hey, it's in. And I said, terrific, to myself. And went down there. And she was very nice again, the same young woman. And she couldn't find it right off the bat. And then she found it in their stack of things that are sent. And I said, great, thank you very much. And she smiled and I smiled. And I came back here and it was in one of those big, thick uh, cardboard things, but thick cardboard where it's glued shut and stapled shut. And I opened it up. And you know what? It was terrific. A lovely book. Unfortunately, it was not the book I ordered. There was It was not the book I ordered. Different book, different title, different author. And I said, well, what you would have said, which is, well, how do you like them apples? And I did. So two days later, two days later, went back to the bookstore. And she was very nice, very sorry, very upset. There's such nice people there. And they all, I'm so sorry, Mr. Miller, we did this. And I said, take it easy. It's fine. You know what? Here's the, here's the book. Here's the receipt. Here's everything. Cause I had paid for the thing. And here's the, here's the big box it came in. And they said, do you mind? Cause they looked again, they couldn't find it. And they said, do you mind if we just order it again? And I said, I don't mind anything. You've been very nice here. Yes, please. Let's do that. And they ordered it again. And uh, they said, we'll let you know again. And that was a while ago. I don't mean an awful while ago, but it was about four or five days. They said it would take two days, and I, but I'm fine. I mean, that's just one of those smile things that how do you like that? And it reminded me that I miss bookstores. I miss real bookstores. And I always went to, there was a place called Either Or, a bookstore in Hermosa Beach near the Comedy and Magic Club, which I still love, and I love working there. And I went there every time I worked there, in between shows on a Saturday night. It was just a couple blocks away. A wonderful bookstore with different levels, a step up here, a step down there, and really kept nicely. And, well, I always bought a few things there. I mean, how do you go into a bookstore and not buy some books? And I loved used bookstores, even when they reminded me. I have a carton here uh, in the studio next to me. Why am I whispering, by the way? There's nobody here except the dogs. That uh, that I, I got some books for both my kids and for my wife at a great used bookstore. And Colonel Jeff reminded me, he said, you know, in a used bookstore, have you ever noticed uh, that when they write the price of the book, uh, it's always in pencil in the top right corner of the first page before the title page? And I said, sure. And he said, do you ever notice that price in pencil always looks like it was written by the exact same person? 
and I said, get a load of you. Good observation there. Because that's true, isn't it? And I want to say maybe it was. But no, of course not. It's just that it's part of the professionalism of that. I like bookstores. I like getting new things and old things. And I like my kids being smart enough to go out on their own and get a job and find out where to get your car fixed and holding off on certain things till you can pay for it yourself. And you know what? I love it. I love them and I love their their actions. I know that. And so do you. Because as you understand, you and I know the same things. Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of your bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who loves you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know. Be well. Get yourself a good book. And we'll see you here next time.